We're going to be in several scriptures today as we go through our message, but if you have your Bibles and you want to open to Matthew chapter 1, that's where we're going to get started today. So Matthew chapter 1. You know, this time of year, you um, see uh, stories, there's stories about homecoming and uh, people who haven't seen each other in long periods of time and and then suddenly someone shows up and it's a surprise. They didn't know they were coming. And um, and I, I've seen several of these televised lately. It was called on video and, and then someone shares that. And it's always interesting, not every time, but, but quite often in uh, in those moments, Someone is there, the person shows up, surprises them, and they have this look on their face of amazement. They can't believe this is happening. And then these words come out of their mouth. What are you doing here? Right? They're just surprised. What, what, what are you doing here? You know, they ask that question. Why, why are you here? Why, why did you come? And, uh, and so we hear that sometimes. You ever heard that from somebody? You show up someplace and they go, well, why are you here? You know, what, what are you doing here? You know, th- those types of things. Um, in the announcement of Jesus' coming, when we read in Matthew chapter 1 about the coming of Jesus, Joseph is visited by an angel. And the angel says to him that you will, she will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. I want to talk to you this morning about the wonderful why of Christmas. Why? Why did Jesus come? Why are you here? What brought you to this place? Well, we know in this announcement, one of the whys is that he came to save his people from their sins. But throughout God's word, there are many other Instances in which God's Word tells us why Jesus came, why He was born of the Virgin Mary, why He grew up on this earth, and He lived a pure and sinless life, ultimately to die on a cross, to be buried in the tomb, and resurrected on the third day. Why? Why did God go through all of that in the life of Jesus? What was the purpose behind it? The wonderful why of Christmas. There are four things that I want us to see about the whys today. The first one is this. He came to fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. If you looked at Matthew chapter 1, those first uh, those verses there, 20 and 21, that we were just reading together, uh, just flip over a few pages to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. And Jesus is speaking, and he says this, Do not think that I came. So why? Why did he come? Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Now, there is a a whole lot that we, we could spend our entire time today and not cover all that is contained in the idea of his fulfilling the law and the prophets. Over the last several weeks, we've talked a number of times in our messages about Jesus 
and his birth and all of the events that surround it and all of the prophecies that that fulfilled. And so we see just in the birth of Jesus that he fulfilled the prophets or he fulfilled the prophecy of his coming, but not just at his birth, throughout his life, where he was from, where he went to, where he was called out of. All of those are prophecies that were given about the life of Jesus, prophecy about his death and how it would come about, prophecy about who he would die between on the crosses that day, prophecies about his death, his burial, his resurrection, all of the things surrounding life of Jesus. He was a a prophecy fulfillment throughout all of his life. And everything that he did seemed to match a prophecy that had been given in the Old Testament Scripture. When we look at his childhood... We see fulfillment of the law. We see that in that day and time, a Jewish boy, there were certain rites and rituals that they were required to go through in order to be in accordance with the law. And we see that Mary and Joseph saw to it that Jesus fulfilled every one of those as a child. That as a child, he was taken to the temple. That as a child, everything that, that they, a, a Jewish boy by law was supposed to do in order to grow up a good Jewish boy, they saw that Jesus did that. So he fulfilled the law in the obedience of his life to the law. We know that that continues because when we reach a point in his life, it says that he was tempted in every manner such as we are, yet what? Without sin. So he never broke the law. He never disobeyed the law of God. And so he fulfilled the law in his obedience to the law. And so we can begin to continue to to look at all of these different things about Jesus coming to fulfill the law and the prophets. But one of the most important is the actual law that he fulfilled In his life. Hebrews 9 and 10 tell us a great deal about this. We don't have time today to read both chapters and all that's contained within that. I would encourage you to read it when you go home today or later this week, possibly in your devotional reading. Read Hebrews 9 and 10. It tells us about Christ's fulfillment of the law. But listen to just a few verses in chapter 10 that paint the picture for us of what it means for him to fulfill the law. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 8 through 12. After saying above sacrifices and offerings of whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Hear that? So so these sacrifices... That, that have been offered, these things that have been given, he said, they are offered according to the law. And we're talking about fulfilling the law, right? Listen to what he goes on and says. Then he said, behold, I have come, listen to that, I have come to do your will, to obey your law is what Jesus is saying. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. So now we're talking about removing the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and establishing the New Covenant of the New Testament. So is it a covenant that is no longer under the law, but is by grace and mercy? And so he says this, to establish the second. By this we will have been sanctified 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifice, which can never take away the sins. You understand that? All of the sacrifices of the Old Testament Scripture, all of those things that were done, they never took away the sins. All they did was push them back. All they did was push that sin away, extend it away from the sinner when those sacrifices were offered. Those sacrifices could not take away the sin. The sin remained, although it was pushed back or away uh, from, from the sinner themselves, but it says that they could not take away the sins. But he, now listen to this, verse 12, but he having offered, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. He did take away all of the sins of mankind. From the creation of earth until the end of time, the sacrifice one time of the life of Jesus takes away all of the sin of mankind. And so he fulfills the law in that the law says where there is sin, there must be a sacrifice. But the sacrifice of the Old Testament scripture just pushed that sin back. It didn't take it away. But Jesus coming, the perfect holy sacrifice, the Son of God, sacrificed once for all time, for all sin. And then he sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus came to fulfill the law and meet the requirement of the law of the sacrifice for sin. And he did it for you and for me. He made that sacrifice for us individually. We'll see that again in just a moment. But Jesus came. To fulfill the law and the prophets. Second thing I want us to see today is this. He came to set captives free. He came to set captives free. That's a powerful thought. Freedom, isn't it? Look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. Luke chapter 4 and verse 18 says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Again, these are the words of Jesus. Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me. Why did He come? He has sent me to proclaim the release of the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and set free those who are oppressed. Jesus came to set captives free. When we have been captivated and by oppression, when we have been captivated by sin, when we are held in captivity by those things. He said, He has anointed me to preach the good news. The good news of the gospel of Jesus is that He saves us from our sin. He frees us from that, that He might set free and release the captives, that that He might uh, recover sight to the blind, that we might see the truth of His Word, and that He might set free those who are oppressed. He brings freedom to you and to me. Jesus came so that He might fulfill the law and prophets. He also came that He might set us free. Set us free that sin no longer has hold on you. That sin no longer has hold on me. That sin no longer controls us and we are no longer slaves to it. But he says, I have come to set you free from it. So that you might be released from the penalty and the punishment 
and the difficulties and, and the overwhelming grip of sin, he said, I have come to set you free. You don't have to live in it any longer. You are free from that. Third thing is that he came to give us life. This is such a, a powerful thought for us today. In the midst of the evil world that Don talked about that we're living in, he still intends for us to have life. John chapter 10 and verse 10. If you want to flip there and read along with me, John chapter 10 and, and verse 10. He says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came, there it is again, why did Jesus come? He says, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He came for you and I and for the purpose of us having life and having an abundant life. Now, one of the things we have to be careful is how we define abundant life. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? What, is, what does it mean according to God's Word? Abundant life, for some people, they see that and they think about prosperity. They think about wealth and health and happiness and everything that goes with that. And, and certainly, that is one view of abundant life. But I believe as we look into God's Word, God's Word is more direct in regards to the foundation of life and abundant life. And that we receive life when we have received the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God lives within us. And because of the Spirit of God living within us, there is a joy. There is a contentment. There is a peace. There is a hope that the Scripture says the world cannot offer. That's the abundant life. In fact, the Scripture says, I wouldn't have you to mourn as those who have no hope. Why do they don't have hope? They, they do not have hope in their life because they do not have Jesus in their life. They do not have hope in their life because they do not have the Holy Spirit in their life. And he says abundant life for you is when the Spirit of God indwells you and he brings you peace and joy and contentment and hope. And that fulfillment in our life is why we have abundant life. He came that you and I personally, might have abundant life. Fourth and final thing I see this morning is that He came to seek and to save the lost. That's where we begin in that Matthew announcement to, to the angel's announcement to Joseph is that He would save His people from their sin. He came to seek and to save the lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came. Why did He come? The wonderful why of Christmas. Why did Jesus come? Why did God send Him from the throne room of heaven to this earth in the form of an infant? Why was He born of the virgin? Why did He enter this world in flesh and bone? And these are some of, not all of, but these are some of the reasons that He came. He came to seek and to save the lost. Notice the seeking. He just didn't come and say, Hey, I want to pay a sacrifice. I want to pay the price for your sins. Here it is. Come get it. The Scripture says He came to seek and to save the lost. He came searching. He came looking. He came desiring to find those who were lost and to bring them into salvation, bring them into safety. Matthew chapter 18. 
listen to this passage of Scripture, which speaks about the same thing of his seeking and saving the lost, beginning in verse 10. See that you do not spise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come. Listen to this. Why did he come? To save that which was lost. Now it continues. What do you think? If if any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety and nine on the mountain and go and search, seek and to save? Go and search for the one that is straying. If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Listen. God sent Jesus in the form of an infant that first Christmas so many years ago. And he sent him for a reason. In fact, many reasons, but we see four of them this morning. And this final one is so critical to you and I, because here's what I want you to understand. If you had been the only person who needed him to come, God would have still sent him. He says, there were 99. They were all good. There was one. Just one that was lost had gone astray. And what did the shepherd do? He left the 99 and he went to find the one. He came to where the one was. You understand that? He came to where we are. Why? The wonderful why of Christmas. Why did he come? He came to where we are. In order to save just one. And the scripture says that when he found the one. He rejoices more over that one that has been saved. Than the 99 who were already safe. God does not desire for one single child. To go unsaved. And so if I had been the only one. If you had been the only one. Who needed him to come. He still would have come. He would have come and done all of the things that he did for you and for me. Why did Jesus come? He came for you. He came for me. He came in order to fulfill the law. He came to to set us free. He came to give us life and life more abundant. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. His coming into this world is what changes everything for you and I. And so this day after Christmas when we ask that question the wonderful why, why did he come? He came for you. He came for me. He came for anybody who needs what he has to offer. And so this morning we're going to sing an invitation. And the invitation is a time for us to accept what he has to offer. Maybe we need him to fulfill the law for us in our life, the sacrifice one time for all sin. Maybe we need to be set free. Maybe we're we're still captive by sin 
and the things of this world, and we need to be freed from that. Maybe today we've been living life, but we haven't had life, an abundant life. We need that today. Perhaps today there's someone here that he's seeking who needs to be saved. That one, one little child who needs rescued. If there's a decision on your heart, if there's a need in your life, remember, why did he come? He came for you. If you had a decision today, I want you to come so we stand and we sing.